This is Fifth Sunday. We like to do things a little differently. Four times a year when there's a fifth Sunday, we like to have the kids come here. Usually I do a little five-minute sermon, and since Jeff was out of town, they said, let's just blow that up <laughs> and extend that a little bit. So, but before that, I do love interacting with the kids, so I still have five minutes that I want the kids all right down here to come here and have a little time with, uh, with Mr. Brian. So come on. Don't be shy. This is a smaller venue than Grandview, so you'd think you guys would get down here quicker. Okay, excellent. Very nice. It's good to see all you guys. Titus, awesome. Party like a guac star. (laughs) Amen, amen. Our first healing of the day. We are on a roll here. Kiara's here. Okay, all right. Now, before you guys get too comfortable, you you see these bags in front of you? I brought you guys presents. Now, each one is different, so I want you guys to grab a present. Don't open it, don't open it. Get it, and then hold on to it, okay? Grab your present. Okay, Adriana, you gonna get one? Oh, there's none for Adriana. Oh, there's one for Adriana. Which one do I wanna give Adriana? This one, this one's a good one. All right, all right, all right, all right. Okay, okay, Uh, first, all right, you guys can look in your bags. Look in your bags real quick. They're all different. William, what'd you get? What'd you get, William? A rock. A, a rock. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Constance, what did you get? A rock. a rock. Oh my gosh. Alyssa, you got a rock too? Max, Titus, you guys all got rocks? You guys are so lucky. Oh my gosh. This reminds me of one of my favorite stories, okay? As coincidence would have it. There's still a few more bags if anyone wants their rock. Spoiler alert. Okay. But you guys know Jesus used to teach with parables, right? With stories. So I have a story that I want to share with you. Have you guys ever heard about the story of stone soup? All right. No spoilers. Okay. All right. So I'm going to go through this story. So you guys know once long ago, there were three soldiers marching home from a war. You know, they had been traveling for days and they were tired and hot and hungry As they came over a hill, they saw a little village nestled just in the valley below. They started talking to each other. You know, one soldier, Kiara, said, Oh, I am so hungry. I hope they have some food that they might be able to let us have. The second soldier said, We've been walking so far, I'm just tired. I would really just like a bed to get a great night's sleep in. But the third soldier kind of scoffed at them. And he said, "Um, there has been war going on for a long time. And these villages have had to sacrifice and send food to the armies. Now that that war is done, they will not want to share what they have. As the soldiers started continuing walking towards the town, the villagers saw them coming. They saw them coming down off the hill. And the villagers got scared. They were worried that the soldiers were going to come and take everything that they had. So they started hiding their food. They started stuffing vegetables under their beds. Have you guys ever done that at dinner? No? Okay, that's good. I check when you guys get home just to make sure. They hung sacks of barley in their closets. They even lowered pails of milk into the well. They hid everything. And so when the soldiers came, they came to a main street, much like this main street that we have down our aisle right here. And they came and they saw all the doors were closed up, all the windows were shut, and no one was out on the streets. So the soldiers went to the first. I could even do this. Sound effects. Ooh. 
And then when the villager came to the door, they were not very happy. They were like what Mr. Clark was saying, some people worshiping, like just with their hands over, their arms crossed. And they asked, excuse me, good madam, we were wondering if we could borrow, if you had some food you could spare or possibly a bed we could spend the night at. And the villager said, no, I'm sorry, we don't have uh, any food to share and uh, no extra beds. They thanked her, they walked down and they went to the next house. When the uh, villager came, they asked the same question. What do you think this villager said? No, exactly. No room at the end. So the soldiers went to every house in this village and every response was the same. Everyone said, sorry, we don't have any food or beds to spare. You'll have to just keep on going. So when the soldiers got to the end of the village, they were a little distressed. They were a little discouraged. Like, what are we going to do? We still have so far to go. And then one of them had an idea. He ran back to the last house and he knocked again. And he, when the villager came out even angrier this time, the soldier said, good, good, good villager, we know you don't have any food and that's fine, but we were wondering if we could borrow your large kettle. You guys know what a kettle is? What, Constance? That's right, cooking soup or brewing tea, fantastic. So a large thing, he goes, we were wondering if we might borrow that. We saw, you know, we are, would like to make stone soup for you and the entire village, but we need a pot, we need a kettle. Villager was so surprised, he'd never heard of stone soup before, and really just perplexed and bewildered, he said, yeah, you can borrow my pot, but how are you going to do this? And so the soldiers got so excited, they grabbed the pot, they started a fire, they filled it with water, and they go, the first key to making stone soup is, what was that? Stones, yeah, how'd you know? And so they went around the village looking for stones. You guys, hold up your stones real quick. They've looked, they found stones, and they brought them back to the soup kettle as it's heating up and starting to boil. And so they start putting their stones in. And all the villagers are so surprised and so curious. Why are these soldiers picking up stones off the ground, off the dirt, and putting them in this bowl of boiling kettle? And the story starts getting out. They're going to make stone soup. No one's heard of this. So they all come out and they start gathering around going, how is this going to happen? So as the water starts to simmer and boil, the soldiers are, you know, leaning over the pot and they're starting to waft the, the steam towards them. And they're like... Oh, this smells so good. We were so lucky to find these rocks, these stones. <sighs> it's too bad that we don't have a little salt and pepper. A little salt and pepper really bring out the flavors of the soup stones. But we're grateful just to have the stones, so no matter. Well, one of the villagers heard this and was so just excited and wondering how this could happen, said, I think I might have a little salt and pepper at our, my house. They ran back and they brought two huge canisters of salt and pepper. The soldiers thanked the villager. They poured the salt and pepper in. They start stirring it up and they go, oh my gosh, these stones are starting to smell better and better. Oh, if only we had some celery and some carrots. Celery and carrots are so delicious and they really just complement the salt and pepper and the stones. Uh, but we are so grateful just with the salt and pepper and the st stones. This is going to be delicious anyway. So another villager said, I might have a carrot. I think I saw a carrot in the corner of my pantry when I was w walking out here. So that villager left, 
came back with eight fat carrots and like three heads of celery, stalks of celery, you know, so huge. They chop them all up, they put them in the soup, and oh my gosh, it's really starting to smell. Everyone's getting excited. Do you guys kind of see what's happening? Every time the soldiers keep this up, they talk about something, they go, mm, if only we had some barley to thicken the soup, if, you know, some milk, some cream would really make this soup richer and more delicious. The villagers were so intrigued and so just interested in wanting to see how stone soup was made, they would volunteer, they brought their, the goods that they'd hidden out. At the very end, the soldiers are smelling, and everyone's starting to smell this soup now. They can smell this delicious aroma filling the town square. The soldiers are like, oh my gosh, this soup is done. In fact, it's gonna be better than the soup we had with the king celebrating the end of the war. The villagers were blown away. They were so surprised. They said, these soldiers have eaten with the king? And what's more, that's right, the war is over. We're at peace. This is a time to celebrate. So as they pull the soup off and they start later and later, neighbors keep, villagers go to their houses, they bring back loaves of bread, they bring back sides of meat, and the village starts to celebrate. They come together, they play music, they dance all night with the soldiers, rejoicing that the war is over and remembering and recognizing how much they have. At the end of the night, the soldiers are ushered in and invited into some of the villagers' houses and they are offered the best beds that are there to get a good night's sleep before they leave. The next morning, the whole village comes outdoors to send the soldiers off. They're singing, they're celebrating, they're waving as the soldiers walk on, they're thanking the soldiers. And as the soldiers go over the hill, the neighbors look at each other and they are just so excited, they go, oh my gosh. What a miracle we just saw. Think about it. Think how delicious that soup was last night. And they made it just with stones. <laughs> and with a lot of other stuff, right? Exactly. Yes. So the moral of the story is why I love this story is thinking about, and we're going to get to that right now, we're going to talk about, you know, these soldiers getting these townspeople to say yes to open themselves up. At first, they were like, no, we can't share anything. We have too much. They were just worried about themselves. But once they bought in, once they shared, they had more than enough for everyone. And it turned out to be so much better and more delicious than if they'd each in eaten their individual thing. Okay? So I wanted you guys to think about that as we go back for the rest of the lesson, okay? I'm sorry, it is gonna be a little longer than just my normal five minutes, all right? But, Let's think about that, let's pray, let's hold on to our rocks. If you don't want them, that's fine, you can leave them here, they're from my backyard, so either way. But our backyard, that's right, Constance, okay. But let's pray real quick. God, we thank you for your generosity, for your spirit, that you love us so much, that even when we say no, God, you are there just waiting for us to say yes. And Lord, the amazing things that happen uh, when we do. God, we thank you for our children. We thank you for our families. We just thank you for our entire church body, God, for the blessings you've given us, the protections that we enjoy, and the, uh, the mission that you've called us on. Uh, God, we ask that you uh, bless this time, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all the kids said, Amen. All right, that was pretty good. I, don't, I won't make you do it again. I do have another bag for you guys to take back. Okay.
You guys can open this one when you get back to your seats. Don't worry about if these are the same or not. There's more, there's more. Just to help enjoy the children's message a little more, okay? So, all right, you guys go back to your seats real quick, okay? All right, thank you. Well, if you guys like that, then you're gonna love the rest of this. Uh, nowhere to go but down. Um, yeah, the, I have always liked that story of stone soup. I've liked the, what happens when we open ourselves up to saying yes? What opens us up when we actually give God room to work with in our lives? And so that's why the message that I wanted to really talk about is, you know, saying yes uh, to Jesus, to God, and what that really does. Um, you know, this is kind of crazy, but when uh, Pastor Jeff asked me to talk about this, or to, to really, if I would preach on this Sunday, this is my first time ever preaching. I haven't gone to school. Uh, we are not going to get a real deep dive in Ecclesiastes or anything like that for anyone coming. But, um, but I was willing to say yes. I was willing to kind of explore and see what I felt God would want to say today through me. And it really kind of reminded me of my journey. It was at this church that I came to know God. It was coming with my mom because she was tired of me just showing up doing laundry at her house after college that we started coming to church to do something together. Um, it was me saying yes uh, to come into contact with believers my own age and getting involved at the singles group at that time where I started seeing a uh, what faith looked like to a 20-year-old uh, getting together weekly. Uh, we would read the Bible, we'd go through a book or devotional, we would sing some worship songs, uh, and then we would go to a bar. <laughs> we were definitely not perfect, but you know, that group did lead many to know God and accept Jesus into their lives. Uh, and the next was, the next yes that I had in my journey here at church was accepting the gift of Jesus' sacrifice and um, asking forgiveness for my sins. I was baptized in a hot tub out on the lawn. So if Rick Heiner's here, that was a shout out to him because he was always the, uh, the <laughs> he was always one to provide the hot tubs for baptisms uh, when we were going on there. Uh, there were more yeses after that. My first mission trip service in the church on Sunday mornings. Uh, but the biggest yes that really came from all that was changing my life to truly honor God in my heart and my life. That yes hurt. Because sometimes when you're saying yes, you're saying no to other things. Um, I remember being convicted one Sunday morning about that need to change, to prioritize Jesus and make some of the most powerful desires at, my t at the time in my life and in my heart second to him and his glory. And it was hard to give some of that up. But I've never looked back. Because that, yes, led to so much more joy and happiness and fulfillment than my life could ever uh, have known or expected. Led me to my wife, our beautiful children, and this community of friends and believers here in these walls and throughout the world that that unity and bond of having Jesus as our Lord and Savior opens us all up to. So I like to talk about the power of saying yes and what that looks like. And I'm gonna need some more help here, okay? Because sometimes I wanna go through some of the history of the Bible and talk about some people, you know, when God asked them to do things, what their responses were. 
Okay, so let's do a little biblical survey, and I'm going to need some hands, I'm going to need some stuff, okay? So when God asked people to do things, you know, let's say, did they say yes at first, or did it take a little while? And our first, can, our first subject is Moses. Did Moses say yes at first, or no at first? Raise your hand. Yes, Constance. No. No. That's right, he said you were choosing the wrong man. Okay, very good. Let's give her a round of applause, yep. Why did they think, why did Moses think he was the wrong man? Does anyone know? Constance? He was, yes, he was a prince of Egypt, right? He was raised by Pharaoh's family. So Moses, he also said, I am slow of speech. I might not be the right person to talk about, okay? So the next person, did they say yes at first? Oh, that's right, we must have decided. Gideon, who remembers Gideon, one of the judges? He said not first because he was the That is correct, very good, very good. <laughs> he even asked for some proofs, right? I mean, he didn't just say no and let God. He's like, well, we're going to do this thing with a lambskin. It's going to get kind of complicated. But yeah, so, oh, yep. Okay, they're just stones or donuts. Either way, we'll figure it out. Okay. All right, what about the last one, Pharaoh? Yes? Oh, he said no hard, right? Like, Pharaoh was a definite no. And then he said yes, and then he said no again, and it did not work out well. So Pharaoh is definitely in the no column forever. All right. All right, the next one. How about these people from the Bible? King David. Adriana, did King David say, oh, I thought you were raising your hand. Sorry, sweetheart. Sorry, I got excited. Okay. Someone new. Yes, yes, you, young man. What? David said yes. He said, who's this uncircumcised Philistine challenging the people? Well, I put him in the yes column. Oh, well, okay, I guess, we, I, guess I should have prefaced the story about when Goliath was challenging the armies. Thank you, Sean, all right. I think we have proved beyond a reasonable doubt these are not plants in the crowd. All right, next one, the prophet Isaiah. He said yes. Seconds after seeing the vision of God and realizing how unclean he was, God's saying, who will take my message to the people? And Isaiah says, I am here, send me, Lord. Okay, and it was not a popular message. You know, do you guys know what the prophets usually used to do in the, you know, in the time back when they were, they were big? It was not a lot of celebrity talking circuits. They were really telling everyone how bad they were. Like, just chorus, <laughs> clean up your act, come on, let's do this. <laughs> no, I'm not a popular guy, okay, but he said yes. All right, another one of my favorite stories. How about Ruth? That's right, kind of, we're not gonna. <laughs> I love you, sweetheart. Oh, we got so many more. Adults can answer too, it just doesn't have to be the kids. I'm sorry, I called on you twice. <laughs> Did Ruth say yes? Let's all see. Did Ruth say yes? Yes. yes. To her mother-in-law. <laughs> if that isn't a miracle. 
Where you go, I will go. Your people will be my people. Your God, my God. Ruth was all in with Naomi, and God honored that. God honored all of these people, and he honors those who say yes to him. Now, about the people who said no at first, I can relate to this, but they weren't really answering the question. They were coming up with another question. They weren't asking, will you or won't you? They were trying to answer the question, how? How will this happen? Guys, we're always, I know I'm like, how am I going to fix this? When a problem happens in our life, when something goes down, how am I going to fix that? How am I going to deal with this situation? How am I going to help? I think we get that a lot at church. Some member of the congregation's hurting or someone in our community. Um, financial problems, problems with their marriage, or even in our marriage. How do we fix this? How do I take care of this? And that is a fundamental, it's a challenge that we get to work with. God gave it to us from the beginning. We are destined to toil from the Garden of Eden. The problem is, we're still not answering the question God asks us. Will you? The yes or the no. We're trying to figure out, but how? Give me a game plan, God, and yeah, I'll, you know, it's like Ikea furniture. I'll figure it out, or, you know, it might take a while, but we'll do that. But the how versus the what? What we forget about is that God is the how. God is the one that will provide the way. He's looking for our obedience and our faith. So that's what's going to take us to the first story that we're going to talk about today in Jesus feeding the 5,000. And we want to turn to uh, Luke chapter 9, verse 12. We'll read this together. You know, late in the afternoon, the 12 came to him and said, send the crowd away so they, th- so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. He replied, he being Jesus, you give them something to eat. They answered, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. There were about 5,000 men there. But he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks, uh, Jesus gave thanks, and broke them. Then Jesus gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. A miracle, a miracle of providing for God's people and for those hungry for his word. Jesus took five loaves and two fish. He made his own stone soup, right? He fed 5,000 men with their families there. And there was 12 baskets left over. Probably one for each disciple. Probably a little doggy bag to take home to remind them of what he can do. Now, I love this story, and especially if you guys with your families this week go and read this account in the other three Gospels. Because as, the, as you guys know, this is uh, the feeding that it, this miracle is included in all four Gospels, and each disciple has a little, has a little different take on it. I would have, uh, you know, in John's Gospel, he clarifies who did the loaves of bread and the fish come from? The disciples? Did the disciples have those loaves and fish? 
Does anyone know who the bread came or Yeah, Karis? I can't hear you. A little kid. That's right, Karis. You're shaping up. Good job, Karis. <laughs> yes, the disciples didn't even have the bread. They came from a little kid. His loaves, his meal, his loaves, his fish. In fact, in Luke, it says Jesus kind of, Jesus knows everything. He knows their hearts. And so he asked Philip, well, how are you going to take care of it? And Philip's like, it would take half a year's wages just to give every person a bite, let alone filling till they were all satisfied. The disciples were trying to figure out the how. They hadn't figured out that Jesus was the how, that he was just asking them to obey. Now, we don't hear much about the child. We don't hear much about this young boy who had the five loaves and the fishes. But I'd like to think that he had the faith of the child and he just gave them when he was asked. It's like, can we borrow that to feed everyone? Sure, God. Sure, Jesus. Yeah, take them. That'd be great. And it was through that, that faith that Jesus was able to perform the miracle of feeding the 5,000 and to provide for everyone who was there, everyone who had come out to be healed to see him and that he had compassion for. God is the how out there. And that is why we're all together today. That is the story in the entire, uh, well, in the entire Bible of God's plan to redeem us, of the sin that we have in our life, of the no's that we've said in our lives when God has come to us, when we've been faced with the wrong, with the choices, and we haven't made the right ones, when we've sinned, when we've erred. God has come along in the entire story of the Bible leading up to Jesus to be the how we were going to be redeemed and reconciled to our Father in heaven. That's another reason why I like this story of the stone soup. And just even though the villagers said no at first, the soldiers didn't give up. And God certainly doesn't either. It doesn't matter all the no's we've said in our life. It doesn't matter all the sins, all the things that make us feel unworthy and unable to approach the throne. God doesn't care about that. God doesn't care about your plan on how that's going to work. Your idea of how you can earn that. Because that's impossible. God provided the how through his son, Jesus Christ. And just like with five little loaves of bread, two fish over... 5,000 families were fed that day with enough to spare for each disciple to take home. His sacrifice, his blood covers all of our transgressions, all of our sins, and makes us holy. Which really takes us to the second uh, verse I wanted to dig into today in 1 Corinthians. Not second verse, second area as we get into it. Chapter 12. Verse 12 uh, through 27, okay? So just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. 
Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not be for that reason that it would stop being part of the body. For if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. Sorry, my scrolling erred. Um, And the parts that are unrepresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. We're all part of the body. And I, I think about that sometimes, you know, I, it, to the kids, do you guys have a favorite part of your body? Do you have one th- part that you just love or think about? Any? It's a weird one. No? I thought about it. I'd like to have a volunteer, please. Would one of the kids come up and volunteer? Mike Konauer, you want to come up here? You'd be good on this. There you go. There you go. Okay. All right. Now, one of my favorite parts of the body is actually the feet. Get a walk around, very good, very good. Get a walk around, it's stable. I mean, Mike, do you think you could try walking around if you didn't have feet? Can you just walk around on your heels? Like how? That's pretty good. We could try and have a race. Would someone like to race Mr. Konehauer? All right, Constance, you want to race? Now there's no running here, okay, sweetheart? You guys are each gonna start at this line right here. All right, now Mike, Mr. Konehauer, you can only stay on your heels. Constance, you can walk, and it's the race to that, that last line up there, okay? So you see the, the tan line right up there, the tan straight line? Mrs. Tokarski's pointing it out. Okay, are you guys ready? Behind the line, behind the line. Okay, no, Constance, you can use your full feet. Yeah, you can use your full feet. This is an example, it's called contra- <laughs> contrast. All right, no running, just walking as fast as you can. Only on the heels, you can use your full feet. On your mark, get set, go! (laughs) Whatever. There you go, all right, yay! All right, thank you to my volunteers, yes, yes. Hard to walk without feet, right? Not to mention very stable. I need two people that kind of like each other for this next one, for volunteers. Kind of like each other, so Austin, Ellie, you guys want to come up? All right. Let's talk about another body part. Let's talk about elbows. All right. Okay. This isn't going to be a wheelbarrow race. Don't worry about that. But think about your elbows. What if you didn't have elbows? Well, then I wouldn't be able to bend 
Right, exactly. So make like a Barbie doll or a Ken doll and put your arms like this. All right, now try and, can they? That is fascinating. Let's keep it moving, okay. All right, all right, all right. I would like you guys to try and give each other a hug with no elbows, with straight arms. Oh, heartwarming. Okay, thank you guys very much. Uh -huh. Every part of the body is essential. Every part is needed for this miraculous, I'm not just pointing at myself, this is an example of a body, not just, not just this body. <laughs> but the amazing things that our bodies can do, that we can grab tools, that we can pull ourselves up, that we can run and do cartwheels, well, some of us can do cartwheels, we used to be able to do cartwheels, all this stuff is because every part of the body is essential. That's exactly what this part of the body, is, or the Bible is talking about when we're talking about our body, our family as a church. We're all essential. We all provide a vital function for our church to continue moving. God created each and every one of us with a plan for our lives, with specific skills and gifts that he's given each of us, and they're not always just rocks. Might actually be something nicer, although I could always go for a nice rock, okay? So that's something, <clears throat> that's one of the biggest lies that the devil tries to convince us of, that we're not special, that we don't have worth, that we, we can see other people, what, you know, things that other people have. You know, we don't understand and we don't always see what God has given us, each and every one of us here. But the church can't function without each and every one of us working together, supporting each other, giving each other glory and honor, lifting each other up when we're hurting, celebrating when things are going well. All of us have that purpose and that obligation to really work together. And that's once again because God did it all. God paved the way through his son Jesus Christ that we could all be one, that we're all together with God's uh, answer. Because that was his yes. When God made the declaration that we would be his and that we would have relationship with him, Jesus was God's yes. And it wasn't without cost, it wasn't without pain, but it was with celebration and excitement and a yearning that we will not be able to determine and experience and really fully understand this side of heaven. But I'm looking forward to that day where we all get to be part of God's yes here and for eternity. As the worship team wants to come back up, I have a challenge uh, for all of you guys. You know, we are the body and we are excited. Our body has gone through some pretty big changes this year. Changing venues, looking at new setup and work crews and just what that looks like to do church and what our vision and our plan is. And we are excited about where we're at. We're excited about the community that we have to reach into. Um, we're excited about the opportunities that God's laying in front of our, uh, at our feet and in front of us. But we need more help. We need the entire body to be working, to evaluate and see how we can be assisting each other in the tasks here at church and then also outside in the community. 
So I want to just challenge everyone that we have set up uh, sign-up sheets here today to talk to the ministry leaders for the biggest programs that we have going on right now. We have Lisa and Bill Hull who are uh, in charge of hospitality ministry. We have the Tokarskis who do a lot with Scott Laurie for lobby SWAT and set up and take down for the Sunday school classrooms. Uh, Mike Konauer, you can talk to about the tech and the worship SWAT teams, a worship team and tech SWAT here in the lobby. And then we have Christine for a children's ministry. What would it look like if the entire body was working together? If every person signed up and said, I want to do something, I want to help, I want to get plugged in, I might not know many people, the best way to do that is to volunteer. I started volunteering with my mom greeting, uh, I don't know, three or four months into coming to this church, and I knew no one. But the people, the weirdest thing was, the people were more excited to see me than I was them. When I'd be coming down and offering them a program, they'd be the ones going, hey, hi, how's it going? And it worked, and it felt awesome. It felt like belonging, and that's sometimes just the first step, is putting yourself out there, saying yes, to just really engage with us, help partner for all of us to come together to see how we can help each other, how we can support each other, and how we can just love each other. James is one of my favorite books in the Bible. It's short. But it's also pretty practical. And faith without works is dead. We rely on God for our salvation, but giving back joyfully and in a celebratory mood is part of how we reflect what God did for us. As we close in prayer right now, I also want to challenge anyone Today, if God's been working in you uh, a moment, a time, and you realize today that you've never said yes to the promise he has for forgiveness of sins, for redemption and that relationship with him, now's the time. Now's always the time. There's any time. It doesn't matter about the no's before. It doesn't about matter about the sins or the transgressions. He doesn't care about all that. He cares about you. And if you're willing and ready to make that step today, you know, let's bow our heads and let's pray for that. Let's pray for his blessing and provision. God, we love you. And it's because you love us more fully and completely than we will ever know. Your power and your righteousness are matched only by your mercy and compassion. And for that, we are so grateful, God. We are grateful for your truth. We are grateful for your son, Jesus Christ. And we are grateful that you have called us each to be a part of your family, your kingdom here, and that you have a plan for each and every one of us. God, I pray for those in this room who uh, are thinking about this and are ready to make that commitment for the first time. Lord, I pray that they would feel the power of your presence, the strength, and just the gentleness that you hold all of our lives in. God, you love us so much, and we thank you for that. As we bow our heads right now and keep them down, if anyone's making that prayer for the first time, if you could just raise your hand, let us know how we could support, help, just guide you on that journey. God, we are just grateful for you, Lord. And it is in Jesus' name that we get to celebrate and say in a loud, unified voice, Amen.